Well, good day, everyone, and welcome on this Thursday night, doing things a little bit differently with a, a live stream for the mid-season. No game this week, so it gives us a chance to reflect on the first half of the season, and I think it's fair to suggest if we were offered eight and three before the season started, we would have taken it, and especially at the end of that Friday night game against Collingwood, if someone said you'll be eight and three. I don't think many of us would have believed them, but here we are, and still plenty of work to do in the back half of the year, but very well set up. We'll do what we normally do on the program, first of all, and review the recent clash, which was a a comprehensive, comfortable and fairly relaxing win over North Melbourne. And then we'll look ahead to the uh, the back half of the year, which starts with two tough interstate trips in three weeks against Brisbane and Sydney. Also got Essendon, who are a a bit of a nemesis, and then Carlton and and the like uh, along the way. So a lot to talk about. We want your thoughts on the mid-season. That also includes some of our weekly awards. They can be for this week. You can also send through nominations for who would hold those awards over the first half of the season, the Jason Blake the That's Those St Kilda, the Shannon Knoll Award as well. <clears throat> Obviously very important as we head towards the, uh, the second half of the season, how to work our way through that. But it is good to, to be on board and, and be live for this mid-season review. Uh, Darren Parkin, obviously my name, uh, Nick Splitter and Aaron McGrath alongside of me. And, and Nick, your summations, first of all, on the Kangaroos. You can you can open the batting with that one. I, I guess for, for my mind, it was interesting in that um, there were some frustrations in the game, but it was a very rare game of football in that at no stage did it ever seem possible that we would lose. Yeah, that's right. I think that's that's probably a fair way of putting it. I think it was one of those ones where we didn't look good. We didn't play great football and it was it was ugly at times. It was hard to watch. Um, and and we just weren't very good. But like you said, it was still pretty comfortable. Um, it was nice to get a get a, a handy lead out the first break and then uh, continue to push that at, at each break. Um, but again, it was the third quarter that kind of you know, broke the game apart and um you know that second the second quarter was probably the most frustrating out of all of them with the, the missed opportunities again, um, really kickable, uh, kickable shots and, and opportunities that you know in the second half of the year as as we come up against tougher opponents we're going to have to take those take those opportunities because you know we're not going to get as many as we did against the Kangaroos or you know against uh, Adelaide and and some of the other the lower ranked teams that we've played uh, so you've just got to take those opportunities against better teams. Yeah, you do. And, and keen to get your thoughts, uh, those uh, listening slash watching as well. On that North game, your better players, your votes, uh, just general observations, the, the Wanganine Malera kick to, to Max King, some of the other uh, highlights that sort of stood out for you. But but hey, Chad, you know, kind of as Nick was saying, opening up that lead at quarter time, it, it to me felt like that was enough. We'd, we'd weathered any storm that was going to come and they weren't going to be able to score heavily enough to beat us. Yeah, it- I felt like a game we did what we had to do. Um, that that was pretty much, I think, almost feels like how we started the game. We sort of like, all right, like, let's we'll control the game how we want to. We'll do as much as it takes to feel comfortable. I guess um, they there was a couple of, I guess, a couple of patches during the game where North had a little bit of a run on. They kicked a couple of goals in a row at one point. Um, Goldie was probably, I'd reckon Goldie's probably their best player. I reckon he held up pretty well against um, our two Ruckman. Um, Zeri didn't, I don't think, help him too much, to be honest. So um, he he was someone that we probably, 
could have looked at and thought, okay, we've probably got a two on one here against their inexperienced player, and then we can hold him out. But he he probably kept him in the game for a little bit. Um, but yeah, it was it was a situation of we've gone out there, we've done what we have to do, no injuries, get the four points, move on, have a break, get ready for Brisbane. Um, so it's a matter of let, let's let's yeah do what we have to do. Um, no, I don't think there's really any. Yeah, I guess the performances in the game itself, you wouldn't look at any of those performances if it was a big match and think, oh, there was a real, real standout at all. It was very even. Um, it's it was a case of let let's yeah, let let's see what other guys can do. Wanganeen played well. A young guys all out there playing well. Battle was playing well down back. It was, um, yeah, a, a good week to try. I guess try a couple of things and and every, everything we did seemed to work pretty well. So it's, yeah, a good result. That's, let's let's have a nice break and get on the prison. I guess the the one that if we're looking at the not post Jack Steele period, but weathering the Jack Steele period has been our clearances, obviously against Adelaide, we got beaten a bit around the ball and then North won the clearances against us as well. They didn't hurt us too much because our defense held up, but Obviously, if we give first use to someone like Brisbane at the Gabba, then you could see them cutting us up and scoring heavily and, and the like. So still got to be a little bit better earlier. Um, I, I thought we were a bit sluggish at the start, which is what we didn't need to be, but we just had enough class where we obviously McKenzie kicked a nice goal. Ross kicked a, an accidental, albeit nice goal. Max King pulled in that one-hander. Um, we just had a few moments, Riders individual effort at the stoppage where just a little bit of polish meant that we were three goals up at quarter time. And um, to me, that was, it was a quarter where we didn't play particularly well. We were just a bit too good. So that, um, that is I, what good teams do though, right? Yeah, like, that's right. You know, we didn't play particularly well, but it was, it was the class in the end that, that, mm. you know, was the difference. Um, you, you, I don't think that you could fault kind of North's effort or attitude. I think they, they were out there trying to play football. I think Jai Simpkin was pretty good. Yeah. A few of their guys were pretty good, but um, you know, we were just better. And, and I don't think that, that we played particularly well, which, which does bode well for us um, because it means that, that we've still got plenty of room for improvement off the back of a 50-point win. But at the end of the day, you know, like, like we've said for a few weeks, you'd love to really put a team like that away and win by 100 or 120 just to, to really rub it in and, and you know, give, give, give yourself some confidence after the bye. But um, it, it is going to be interesting, like you said, Parco, to see how we attack uh, clearances coming into the second half, especially if we, we still don't have Jack Steele back just yet. I, I know um, our center clearance work is very good. I mean, Brad Crouch is in there nearly every center bounce uh, and, and we're one of the top two or three ranked center clearance teams in the competition, but we're, I think we're ranked 15th or 16th in the league for general stoppages, general stoppage clearances, which is, which is a worry. Um, and I think it, you know, it's one of those clear areas that we can get better at um, in terms of winning the ball at the coalface around the ground from stoppage. Uh, and, and I think that that will just give us a, an extra boost coming into the second half of the year. A couple of comments coming through. Uh, Benjamin Janison says needs to run Clark through the midfield when he returns. Yes, obviously a bit of polish as well. Not necessarily a grunt inside mid like Steele, but 
he'll be important. Christian says, I think North have an ability to drag a team down to a level that's below their best. The issue is keeping Zoff and they're going for the uh, uh, going for the physical side, I guess. Uh, so secure defence know yeah. all about that because we've we've had a habit of dragging teams down Correct. to that level in, in previous years. So yeah, you kind of had that feeling just before the game that it might have been a tough watch, and it, it kind of was. A bit of praise for Ben Long too. Rob Gardner saying that he was all over the ground with his pressure, and also Benji saying his pressure in the front half was immense and. We kind of needed that. We um we don't have a genuine small forward at the moment with Butler out, although we kicked five for Sandy uh, and Jack Higgins, who concussion slash COVID. So um, we certainly need him back. And I think Ben Long, as much as he didn't hit the scoreboard, did a pretty good job. And I think to get – it was commented a little bit in, in the, the wash-up of the game, but to have our first three picks in the draft all play well at the same time, um, to me, you're going back to – Jones, Smith, and Brown, uh, or potentially something like the Clark, Del Santo, Montagna, Ball type era, um, even if they're not the same players. But that's probably the positive to come out of it, to have three kids all contribute at the same time. Yeah, it was was great to see what's coming through and um, some of those kids keeping seasoned players out in some cases. It's, It's... Great to see we've, we've we've got a batch who are actually pushing selection, they're getting games, they're actually getting us excited. That I think that's the big thing. Um, as I was saying, Malia has kicked to King. That that was amazing. I, I haven't seen a player hit a ball like that that well for a long time, uh, and it, it was just a traceable. Um, to uh, um, what's that? Windhager was a little bit quieter than what he has been other weeks, but I don't know whether he had a, a maybe a bit of a different job to do on the weekend or something, or it, it could have been just overshadowed by Owens coming back. It, it's, yeah, it, it's not that he didn't, didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do, there was no, um, absolutely no downer on his game at what he actually provided us. He still played a, a good game. Um I, we probably just didn't notice him as much because we had these other kids come through that we're able to watch as well. So it's trying to keep tabs on all of them at once. It's it's getting getting a fair job to actually do. So, but that's a good thing. We're actually seeing positives from them, and we're coming back and going, hey, we're not looking at any of them going, oh, why are we giving them a game? It's everyone's going, who are we actually going to drop the if we have to the for him to um, – who are we going to drop him for? Well, that's it. I mean, it doesn't seem to be a reason. There's no reason to. Yeah. Some of those guys are playing really good footy in the, in the twos for Sandy. And and whether it's other young guys, I mean, you, you look at, at guys like Max Heath. Um, Cooper Sharman battled his way into the team. He's, he's only just kind of solidified his spot. And and I think that that is his spot now for the rest of the year, um, assuming he stays fit and, and healthy. But you, you look at someone like Butler, and, and Butler, who would have been a walk-up start um, pretty much his whole time at, at the footy club, and now he's had 25 and, and kicked five. And it's like, well, who do you drop? Who do you drop to bring him back in? And it's, it's a great Higgins position to be yeah. with Higgins yeah. coming back. And, and then, like like you said, you're still keeping guys like Ryan Burns out, Jack Bartell, who we know we've spoken about for three years. But, um, you know, there, there's a bunch of guys, Clark coming back, uh, Nick Caulfield and Jack Hayes obviously aren't coming back this year. But just goes to show the level of depth now and talent that's on our, on our list. And, and if they can keep developing this game plan, uh, and keep kind of tweaking the little things that, that need to get better at, then 
we're, we're in a really good position moving forward for the next few years. Yeah, and, and it feels like, you know, in the past, we might have had one or two guys at VFL level or we might have had to pick players out of the VFL that were just going okay, whereas now we've got, as you say, I mean, Tom Highmore took 16 marks a couple of weeks ago. He had 35 touches the week before that. Um, he can't get a game, obviously, because of Battle and Wilkie and Webster and Patton and et cetera, um, and obviously Howard is a, the mainstay down there. But um, obviously Connolly's playing okay. Geary, former captain's playing really well. Um, spoke about Butler. Billings had another good game there at the weekend, but no guarantee to come back in. Uh, Burns and Bytel, as you say, killing it. So, uh, And even Tom Gamble, 21 possessions and 51 hitouts on the weekend. Like He's clearly third in line, but um, he's playing well enough that if we need him to come in, he'll, he should hopefully be able to do a job. So it's the best position we've been in in that regard for a long time. And I also like that... Of the 16 goals we kicked on the weekend, I reckon 14 of them were pretty well constructed. I think both of Mitch Owen's goals were because North shat the bed a bit in defence um, with a couple of horrible mistakes. Um, but but again, that's brought about by pressure where they drop a mark or they get caught um, deer in the headlights. But I think most of what we did was constructed I'm, rather than off I, the back I of the I think you've got, you got to drop Gresham's goal into that too. How <laughs> that thing get touched, I'll never mm. know. <laughs> yeah, I think um, even, even the misses, yeah. even the misses yeah. in the second quarter were, were off the back of pretty decent play mm. and you know, chains of possession and, and, and chains of you know disposal down the wing. Uh, and, and decent, I mean, for, for us, pretty decent delivery inside 50 to, to, to guys. You know, Max King provides a presence, you know, whether he marks it every time or kicks goal every time, you know, that he's providing a presence, he's going to make a contest. Um, it's just like like we said at the top, you know, seeing these guys not playing particularly well, but still coming away with wins and, and decent wins uh, is promising as long as we can keep keep developing that uh, that game plan into into something that stacks up and is competitive in the second half against tougher teams. Before we get to the votes, a couple more comments. Um, Michael Michael um, says Membry and King must stay healthy. Uh, Jeff Ray Evans, another one full of support for Ben Long, who's getting a bit of love, saying 50-plus pressure acts and six score involvements for the game. Steve Cram says having those kids getting reps while contributing to winning footy is pretty special. Best of both worlds. Simon White says Sandy's performances keeping all important pressure on spots. Uh, Benjamin Janison again, Tom Highmore banging down the door. Um, also just had Scotty Cooney jump in and watch the video. So g'day, uh, g'day Scotty, if you want to contribute, <laughs> more than welcome to uh, to hear from you. But uh, H, did you want to kick us off with the uh, the vote space? Yeah, tough one, tough one. Hmm. Um, <laughs> again, probably half a dozen players who probably deserved votes as as same before it was a really even spread of performances across the ground so um i mean apology does go to ben long i mean that as the pressure acts people are talking about the just just the want of the ball uh, wanting to put pressure on the player with the ball or the player going for the ball in some cases so he was stepping in front of players who were running to a contest and just 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 being in everything basically. So it's, he is an apology that in a, if it was probably a losing performance, he'd probably pick up a vote to be honest. So it's um, one of those ones that you look at and go, it's because there was a couple of standouts. He just misses out, unfortunately. So um, one, the Kel Wilkie just keeps on keeping on. That's uh, is, he has to be, 
as I was saying the other week, in line for all Australian at least squad at this moment. Um, he's starting to get more recognition. Um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully he stays on the radar still just a little bit though, because it'd just be nice to for him to come out in the end and everyone going, "Yep, we all knew this. This is how good he was," and it, all of a sudden everyone. Yeah, once he starts really getting recognised and a bit more, I guess, um, attention gets paid to him. So it's teams are obviously the opposition teams aren't silly, but yeah, it'd be nice just to keep him under the radar a little bit more week to week and just keep him, keep him doing what he's doing because um, he has been awesome. Um, to Brad Hill, I quite thought his game was quite good, to be honest. He's plenty of... Plenty of um, uh, gave us plenty of service, gave us lots of the ball, ran the lines great, found space. Um, it, it was a couple of points where I think we got into a little bit of a um, little bit of a lull, a little bit of a just what do we do here kind of thing. And he, he just sort of picked the ball up and just goes, let just get out of here, get out of here, let's get the ball down our ends. It, it was it was a little bit of kicking it around backwards at times sometimes and he, he was the one looking forward which was sort of it's it's where we want him that's how we want him playing football we he's still playing the way we have been well wanted him when he first came into the club um and yeah so he's been the last his last month if oh, well, that was that was in may wasn't it so he, he's may is probably the best month of football he's put together for us by far um and three to Jack Sinclair. Um, I, I think I looked up at the board. They had the meters gained at some point, and I looked and I was going, that can't be right. They've, they've surely made a mistake on that number. It was, it was, I reckon it was almost two and a half times whatever the second person was. I thought, that, that's that's nuts, the numbers he's getting. That it was, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I reckon it was it was almost 700 meters, I think, wasn't it? Um Bit more, I think. Yeah, he, he finished yeah. with seven sixty, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I think was he, had, he had like six hundred. Yeah. He had like six hundred in the first half, Jackson. Yeah, yeah, that's what I that's what I was looking at when I saw the numbers. Thought, nah, that's got to be some sort of error there. They got one of the numbers the wrong way around. So, but yeah, turned out to be right, and that, that's that's crazy numbers. We haven't. I don't think we've seen a player give us that much movement forward for a long time. He, he looks up and go. You see so many players who pick up the ball and look backwards. I don't think I've seen him kick it backwards all year, and it's great to see us moving directionally our way, hitting targets. And he, he seriously, he's got to be one of the best in the league at that. Uh, I wanted to give a special mention to Nasaya Wanganin Malera, as has been referenced by a couple of people. The Wanganin Malera to King might be win medal locket um, in terms of that delivery. I think Max King in the last couple of years has probably been victim a little bit of poor delivery. We used to see that with Rewald at times when um, you know he'd work his ass off on leads and then get butchered, sort of Matthew Richardson style. Um, but Max, I think if you're getting delivery like that and Nasaya with the little wink and point um, was just beautiful to watch. Um, that's silver service. Um, he's going to kick 150 if he gets delivery like that. Um, but Wanganin was terrific. Nine marks at a four bounce run down the wing, 18 possessions, really creative. Um, he was very close to a vote. 
Um, I had the same three players as, as H, just a slightly different order. I gave a vote to Wilkie, 12 marks. Um, Honourable mention to Dougal Howard as well, who completely blanketed North Melbourne's most dangerous forward. Uh, well done to battle for that cutoff mark in front of him as well, uh, which nearly took him out of the game. Um, I gave two votes to Sinclair for all of the reasons stated. Uh, tr- tremendous ball use, save for one turnover where he just went back into the middle, but I don't mind him trying that. Um, all Australian lock, I would think. And then three votes, Brad Hill, second week in a row, best on grounds. Um, he's found his sweet spot off halfback, um, getting a lot of the ball, went forward and kicked a nice goal. Um, yeah, he's he's the, the cherry on top that could be the difference between us finishing, say, seventh and fourth or fifth and third, something like that. He's the player that could make that difference and he would be the reason why we might win a well, hopefully like a prelim or something like that. But while we might win a tight big final, um, he's one of those point of difference players. So I went uh, a vote to Wilkie, two votes to Sinclair and three votes to Brad Hill, Nick. Yeah, I went the same. I want to give a uh, honourable mention to Brad Crouch. I think just week after week, the guy turns up and, and puts in a shift. Um, he had another eight or nine clearances. Uh, and he's just he's just a beast in the in the trenches for us um so i wanted to give him a, a mention but yeah parko same as you i have one to wilkie uh just a, an absolute general for us i mean dougal howard does the the physical the heavy lifting but cal wilkie does uh i, I guess the classy defendership you know he, he he doesn't he doesn't need um recognition although you know he's, he's starting to get it now uh but he just goes goes about his his job quietly uh, and he just does it every week. Uh, another 19 touches, 12 marks, four of which were contested and six intercepts. He, he's just never beaten. Um, I, I don't remember the last time he had his, his colours lowered. Uh, two votes to Jack Sinclair, another 32 touches and 10 marks. 764 metres gained, as you said, H. It's just an incredible number. And seven inside 50s just keeps making things happen across halfback and, and down the wing. Uh, but Brad Hill, I thought, was the most dynamic player uh, across the, the full game. Um 660 metres gained of his own, six inside 50s and and a goal. His ability now, I think he now understands kind of what his role is in our team. And I think our team now understands what his role is around them. Um, His running patterns, I know we spoke earlier in the year about how he seems to be better at bigger grounds like the MCG or or Optus Stadium, et cetera. But he seems to have figured Marvel out now as well. And his running patterns are something to watch. Really impressive the way that he, he tracks back uh, even when he's not given the ball, you know, his second or third efforts uh, across half back and then, you know, gut running up the wing to, to half forward to provide another outlet or another option. And then his delivery is, is very, very good. If it's not elite, it's very, very good. Um, probably should have kicked a second goal. Uh, but, you know, the, the more that the more he gets comfortable in this team, the, the more he's able to hit the scoreboard and, and he's just such a dangerous player. And, and he's just, we always knew that he was classy, that he was a good player, but what he's done so this year is, is add consistency to, to his efforts. Um, you know, he works really hard and you, you see that over four quarters now, those, those gut runs um, and yeah, a lot more focus, I think on winning the ball, even if it's not the, you know, the contested ball that, that was a, a big complaint from fans on Brad Hill Um early in his time at St Kilda, it's still that the focus on him actually winning his own ball um, has definitely improved. And, and, you know, like you said, two, two games in a row has been best on ground. Um, and there were a couple earlier in the year as well. Uh, he's, he's such an important player, the way that we want to play the game. 
had a comment from Tim on the post saying if Seb Ross is breaking free from stoppages and kicking goals from 65 on the run, you know you're going pretty well. Um, a couple of messages here. Uh, ben Alexander says, nice to see Sandy close to the peak of the summit. On the back of our senior form and depth, the whole list is clearly all in on what Rats, Rats is selling. Spot on. And further to that, Benji says, and it kind of links into our mid-year review type thing, um, he says that post-game footage was pretty special, boys. Definitely a must-watch for anyone who hasn't. Absolutely. I mean, I love the Inner Sanctum stuff. We had the halftime speech in the Geelong game that did the rounds. But uh, for those obviously talking about the Indigenous aspect of it, wore the jumper two weeks in a row because obviously we were away last week and, and at home this week. And a strong Indigenous presence within the group, but obviously a lot of that messaging driven by people like uh, Ben Long and uh, obviously Auntie who came up the front and spoke is actually Carl Amon's mother, which is a um, encouraging sign perhaps for the off-season, but she's been great in terms of that culture and obviously Brett Ratton and everybody embracing it. And I think it was described by a couple of people on Twitter who said there is something different about the place and, and that's true. It's, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is, but that that cohesion, that the closeness, they feel like they're one of the closer groups I've seen in a while. doesn't guarantee success, but you can't be successful without it. So um, I think it's all pointing in the right direction. So um, I assume you guys have had the chance to, to sort of take that in during the week. And I, I love, Nick, that whole whole of club experience. Yeah, it, it's impressive. And I think the word the word that's been doing the rounds on on Twitter and, and socials is, is connection. And you see, you see it from the coaching staff to the to the the players and then you see it all around the you know the other administration the the support staff they had the girls in the in the locker room as well the the women's team um and it does feel like an entire club all working together or pulling together for the for a common goal which is probably something that you know i don't we, we haven't had that since probably 2010 um and, and those those two grand final teams 09 10 you know led by ross Lyon and, and nick rewalt and, and those guys um, in at, at which point connection was so important, and you still hear hear those guys talk about it today. You know, ten years later, twelve years later, you still hear about Nick Rewalt talk, you know, talking about that the connection that those guys had and still have. Um, and it, it just it just goes to show how important uh, it is. Like you said, Parker, it doesn't doesn't guarantee you anything, but you certainly can't win stuff. You can't win premierships without it. And I think that's a common theme across any premiership team. Is is that kind of team-wide, club-wide, squad-wide connection uh, and trust in each other to get the job done. And, and we haven't had that for a while. And it's great to see that coming back in. I think, uh, you know, you look at look at the coaching staff and, and Rats and Ruffy and Corey Enright, I think, has had a massive impact uh, on the way, A, that we, we play the game, but also the way that we uh, engage with each other from a playing perspective and, and a, a game-style perspective. Um yeah, it's just it's super important, and I think that the coaching staff and, and support team have to be commended for for that because that really does sit. I mean, that's that's what a coach does, right? Is is motivate and engage um, the, the the guys to get the, the best out of themselves. And H for for you, uh, sort of a two part question. Mike Bandil, hopefully I pronounced that correctly, says our defence against the Roos was superb, and then Matt Marsh backed that up by saying, "Is our backline the best we've had in the AFL era?" Um, so that's obviously from 1990 onwards. I guess the obvious comparison, H, is that 9 10 team that we that couldn't couldn't be scored yeah. against. But um, how do you rate our group at the moment? Not far behind that group, I don't think. Not far at all. Um, the the key is they're working as a unit, and and that's the way you look at it. You they know where each other are. They know what each other's doing. 
the it's just a, fa- a matter of outsmarting the forward line that you're playing against and and we seem to be doing it enough that we win these games um you you look over like go back three three years four years now and you'd see the back line in disarray they'd be looking going who's on who who's doing where are we we don't know what's going on all of a sudden you've got three forwards sitting in the pocket by themselves and where are the backmen we don't, we're not giving them these spaces anymore. Teams are, unless they get that overlap sometimes that we do get caught out when we think we're running and we've got nothing in it and their forwards just sit back. They're the only times we've sort of been caught out this year that's been a, a little bit frustrating times. You sort of think, okay, look, just because we're running forward doesn't mean we're going to score. But yeah, the, they've managed to stop that, I guess, a, a little bit of that rot where teams will just pick us apart and just find those easy gaps that have, have been a problem. Like last year, the first like Richmond Bulldogs, they just tore us apart in those early games. And, and that's exactly how they played. They moved the players around and we didn't know where they were. So the way they're shifting and combining as one unit and just, shutting down forward lines has been absolutely magnificent. And as I was saying, they're probably not far off that 2008, 9, 10 team that we had. It's a couple of, couple of similarities when you look at them. Um, but yeah, it's, you, you could almost probably say, oh, this player's like this one, this one's like this one, this one's like this one. And yeah, they're probably not far off them at all. And Definitely. I think that's a, a pretty fair assessment um, in terms of it, obviously, with 0, 9, 10 as the, the benchmarks, save for the one missing ingredient, um, which we obviously hope this group will, will eventually be able to secure. Um, also, just an update uh, as part of the mid-season on where the votes sit in the 3-2-1 uh, situation from each week. So Jack Steele has won the last two of these awards by an absolute street. He's third at the moment. It is the Jack Steele Award. Well, that's right. Um, It is the Jack Steele Award. But Jack Sinclair, so at the moment it's still in the name of a Jack, but Jack Sinclair, 35 votes. Brad Hill, 24. Jack Steele at 19. He's missed, obviously, a couple of games. Battle at 18. He's probably been BOG twice. Um, Crouch and Higgins, 16. King, 12. Wilkie, 11. Gresham, 10 as it stands at the moment, as your top nine or so uh, in that award. So Jack Sinclair uh, leading pretty comfortably at the moment. Um, in terms of the mid-year aspect of it, and a few people pointing to the Corey Enright acquisition, but, but Nick, starting with, with you, what's your summation of the the eight and three? I, I guess um, we've left a game on the table in the port one, but we won a couple of other tight ones as well. Yeah, it's, it's kind of tough to... I know it's hard because I feel like there's clearly the Port Adelaide loss that, that you mentioned. I feel like round one Collingwood is, is another one that we just should have won. And, you know, we, we let that slip, whether you put that down to round one weirdness, bizarro world, whatever, whatever it is, you know, we, we, we let it slip when, when you take the lead uh, after being so far down, you take the lead in the last quarter, you shouldn't lose from that point. And we did, uh, you know, we, we dropped our Dax in, in that final 15 minutes and, um, and, you know, I, I don't think that we would do that now if, if we had that chance again, playing the way that we're playing uh, with the, the mentality and, and the what feels like 
real kind of emotional maturity out on the field. Like they, they never seem to get flustered. It doesn't matter. Even against Melbourne, you know, Melbourne, Melbourne were up by six goals and, and we still felt like we can work our way back into this game. Um, they didn't, they didn't drop the bundle. They didn't panic um, or, or go into their shells. I kind of, if anything, it kind of helped them resolve a little bit more. Um, if someone had said to me going to round one, that, that we'll be eight and three at the, at the break, I would have said, yeah, I'll take that every day of the week. It's even more nice to be in the top four. Uh, it's not something that we're used to being in the top four in recent times. So that's, that's nice. The percentage is, is the, the big thing though, for us. I mean, so often, you know, we'll, we'll be in the, that, that bubble around the eight, you know, six to 12, six to 10 really, but our, our percentage will be 83 or 78 or something. And, and that's what kills us at the end of a season. Um, so to go into, into the, the break it with a percentage of 124, 123.8 um, and, you know, well and truly in the eight, is, is a really positive experience, but it's one of those things, you know, touched on some of those, those losses outside of the, the Melbourne loss is one of those things that feels so St. Kilda. Like we can be eight and three and still going, fuck, we should have won those games should have won port. And we can never be comfortable with what that record looks like because there's always something that we should have done. And we always feel like we'd let something slip. Um, and it's a bit like that because you look at, look at that. And all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you keep the lead against Collingwood and win that you don't, completely you know shit the bed against port and you're in second spot quite comfortably um and you know in the same in that conversation with with brisbane as who is the second best team in the competition and yeah i think we we'll we'll get the opportunity to to show our our pedigree if we've got it you know in the next kind of month to six weeks uh because it's going to get a lot tougher yeah i mean i felt like i mean the Collingwood game, I, I can accept in, in retrospect in that I felt we were completely outplayed, then came over the top of them and, and would have pinched it. We probably deserved to lose that game in many respects, even though we, we should have won it at the same time. Um, the Port game, we were clearly you know butchering chances and should have won by five goals, probably should have been well up at quarter time. That was one that got away. But football supporters are interesting. We, we, we often look at the ones that we should have won that we lost but, but don't necessarily factor in the, the 50-50s that we got up in, like the Adelaide game where we could have lost Geelong, Fremantle, certainly, um, uh, even the Giants when we were brave in, in the circumstances. So, I mean, we're obviously ahead of the ledger, I would think, in the in the line balls, but but we always look at the ones that that, that sort of got away from us a, a little bit. And, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good point in regards to, you know, that the overall – big picture scenario. And I think Michael sums it up saying we're not a huge center clearance side. So a big part of our defense is launching attacks. So no coincidence that Hill, Sinclair and Wilkie would be top five in there in the BNF. Thanks to uh, to Michael Egan. And, and I would agree well, just, with just, that. Yeah. Just on that. Cause, cause yeah. I did say a little bit earlier that we're, we're a top four center clearance team in the competition. We're, we're ranked fourth. It doesn't feel like it, which is it doesn't, weird. it yeah. doesn't feel like yeah. it, but I think that's because I think that's because we're, we're so poor at stoppage around the ground. So around the ground, uh, ball ups, uh, throw-ins, etc. We're really poor at clearances and those stoppages around the ground, but at, at center clearances, we're actually really strong. And, and I think Brad Crouch is, is a, a main part of that. And Jade Gresham, yes. you know, kind of both, um, you know, Gresham, Gresham's aggression as Dwayne put it so annoyingly on the weekend, um, has been, 
really impressive to watch. I mean, we always knew that he was an X-Factor type player, but to see his consistency and the way that he hits the contest really hard is has been really good to see consistently across you know, the entire season. There's probably about think, 20, yeah. I was about to say, I, th- I think the a lot of those set of clearances too might feel like we're not winning them because there's been a lot landing in the lap of one of their defenders at times. So it's just rebounding straight from there. So I think that's where a lot of them feel like we haven't won those clearances because it's as soon as we, we get it out and it comes straight back again sort of thing. So um, yeah, the numbers, I, I guess in a way numbers can lie, but it's yeah, we, we hit, start hitting those targets from that center clearance and yeah, you're all over it. Yeah. And I think um, Gresham, well, it's probably about 20 reasons why we've in, improved this year. There's the obvious ones like development in King Hill breaking through the kids, uh, Marshall and Ryder being fit most of the time. Um, but, but Gresham, probably the one I'd have at the top Um Without, I mean, as I say, he's probably fourth or sixth, even in the best and fairest or something like that. But I, I think his influence, he's, he's had 22 shots at goal, kicked 11, clearance work, um, ball use. Uh, he's been a, a massive factor in, in why we've got better uh, in the in the clearance aspect and other aspects of it too. So if I was to rank them, I, I'd probably have that as my, my leading factor. But uh, thinking out loud and obviously being a live episode means that's going to happen a little bit, H. But a lot of people when Fremantle beat Melbourne on Saturday um, were thinking, ah, oh, shit, it means we're not going to be top four. Bloody hell. Um, I kind of held the opposite view. I mean, we ended up top four anyway because Carlton lost. But um I remember looking at that game thinking, look, I don't know if we're in the mix to win the flag or not, but that result helps. Um, in the in the bigger picture scheme of things, it, it, it shows that Melbourne don't just rock up, answer every challenge, beat everyone that's put in front of them. There are ways that you can pull them apart and Fremantle slaughtered them in, in periods of that game. So Melbourne are clearly out in front as the team to beat, but the optimist in me was looking at that result going, it's good for the competition. And in the long run, it's not bad for us because if we were to cop them again, there is a clear blueprint of, of things that can be done. And it, it demonstrates that the gap between them and the rest of the comp maybe isn't as big as perhaps we thought. Um, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, 12 goals to one. Mm. That That's what Fremantle went. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, mm. If you said, oh, there was a 12, 12 goal to one run, you'd be going, oh, yeah, Melbourne, how far? But, I mean, Fremantle at the MCG is not someone that you usually go, oh, yeah, they've, they've pulled a couple of wins out there before, but quite often they turn up here and act like they've never seen a football ground before. So <laughs> it's... it's um, yeah, it was quite good to watch, and um, it, it does. I think I think we've said week by week by week, our win against Fremantle looks better and better and better. And we didn't just beat them; we beat them in Perth at a stadium we never win at. Against Fremantle, we've had. A, I, I guess it's a little bit of a bogey against. They've, they've Beaten us fairly often. It's been a funny so, rivalry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's um, but yeah, that that win just grows and grows and grows as the year is going on because Fremantle, they're, they're absolutely no pushover. They've had they've had a couple of, I guess, quiet weeks. Um, I, the game in Collingwood, though, well, I looked at them and thought that that's not a top four team. They're they shitting the wet for some reason, Fremantle. Yeah. So. 
which you hope but in the spring on Saturday. Spring well, yeah. on Saturday, it wasn't exactly <laughs> yeah, it wasn't yeah. exactly dry on Saturday either. So mm. it, it's it you sort of looked at that and thinking, oh yeah, Mel- Melbourne will get this. It's a bit slippery. It's a bit cold and wet, and yeah, they should win this. But yeah, turn around and showed everyone that hey, this is how you beat them, and that that tape that the tape that all the teams are going to watch to how to beat Melbourne they'll all well and truly get worn out because those tapes will get played and played and played and just just to look at what it is that Frio did and they'll pick those apart like you won't believe and go there's their weaknesses yeah well, and I don't know funny, exactly Hawthorne, yeah. yeah Fremantle Fremantle did what Hawthorne did to Melbourne they just did it better yeah and for longer I mean th- yeah. th- there's a real clear blueprint about how to attack Melbourne that is to attack them you can't sit back and wait and try and counter You've got to actually attack them from the first, but you've got to win your own ball and you've got to run at them. You've got to kick it long. They, they, and, and they like and the nice, the easy on. ball. That's they do. And, and pass, they're so good at, around and they're so good at controlling yeah. possession. So when you win it, you've got, to hit them, you've got to hit them in the nose. And, and, and we were too them. safe. We were too safe against 100%. Melbourne. We were too worried about turning the ball over too, too cautious. They could set up behind the ball and just pick us off. And it was kind of embarrassing early. And then we obviously clicked into gear a little bit, but, that's the blueprint. I mean, I said, I don't know exactly where we sit in the scheme of things or what we're capable of doing if we make finals, but obviously we'll find out a bit more with our next two interstate games against Brisbane and Sydney, who we'd be fighting for top four with and both winnable, albeit tricky. Um, Brisbane in particular, they can score so heavily. So you've got to make sure that you win it at the source against them. They'll probably have Hitwood and Danaher and mixed day play, I think in that game. So at, at the um, same time yeah. though, I mean, I, I know it wasn't at the Gabba last year, but we beat them up there in, in- Queensland. We beat yeah. them on, on the Gold Coast. Uh, we know that we can play well against Sydney in Sydney. We've done it before. We've, we've done it quite regularly. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that there's anything that we should be scared or, or worried about. I think if we go in and we play our game, which is that the game style that, that Rats wants us to play, which is that attacking offensive dynamic kind of game style, then then we're a really good shout. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And um yeah, that, that's obviously our, our next point of focus, and that's when obviously the, the loss of Jack Steele will, will need to be covered significantly. Um, I guess changes, where do you see, before we look at some of the awards for both the week, I'll put you on the spot for the week and I guess the, the season so far, but um, we, if assuming that the following players are fit, so Clark, Higgins, and then Butler for this next game against Brisbane and then a couple of weeks after that, Jack Steele. So Butler's fourth in line of that group if, if Higgins comes back in. But let's say Higgins, Clark and Steele are, are locks because they are. Um, you probably look at one of those kids like Owens or Windhager getting a rest. But who else, H, is vulnerable to, to getting those guys back in? I'm pretty much I, just earlier on, I put together a list of who I thought – might get a game barring injuries for the rest of the year. And I've I've almost put it in the way you've got it. I've, I've put them in a rank of who I think will make it. Steele, clearly, number one, straight back in. Clark, two, he'll get in at some point. And um, he's got to, he's got to have games for us. So I think he's he's one of our best ball users. So he, he will play when he comes back. Higgins gets back in. I'll put Billings next. I still think he's ahead of Butler. Um, five goals for Butler, but 
the forward line's working. It is working. Um, do we get Higgins back? He slots in. We probably move, I don't know, uh, Wong might move up there a bit more. So it's whether there's a position for him. That, so that's why I've pushed him back down the further down the list. Um, Burns possibly gets a game at some point, And Lena probably possibly gets a game at some point as well, depending on matchups, depending on who we're playing, that sort of thing. It's just they're, they're pretty much the only players I can see coming in barring heaps of injuries. That, that's the only way I see any more players even getting a look in this year. It's um, They've had a run already. Um, there's a few other players that have had games, but I just don't see them coming back. Um, but as for uh, what I was going to do is was try to work out which player that each one would kind of replace. Now, you, you obviously... The, the, the obvious ones are going to be the kids, which we go, well, we'd rather not. We, we've got to keep t- at, le- at least one, preferably two, of the three or four kids in each week. We, we need to give these guys games. We need to give them the experience because that's we, we can look back at, say, 09, 010. We didn't bring kids through. And as soon as we lost those, that was it. We were done. There was no, nothing was going to happen after that. We, we were cooked. Um, so we've got to keep giving a couple of these kids a go and they've got to stay in. They've got to, even if we say to the, like, say we say we take the group of Owens, Windhager, Malaya, uh, Wangane, Malira and Sharman and say to them, between the four of them, you'll play, two of you will play every week and work from there. It, it's, it's just going to be too hard once we get these other players back to promise some games to say, look, if, if you have a huge game, you'll keep your position, but that that's, that's the only guarantee we can give you. We can't guarantee you that you're just going to be named. And yeah, they're, they're probably those four probably long. He is in the next step. Um, Mason Wood's probably in that same step as Long. But after that, I mean, there, there's six and I've got seven who might play games. Then you're looking into Seb Rosses. You're looking into Ben Patton's, but I don't see them being dropped. Webster? So Web, Webster's an interesting one because yeah. you, could, you could move. I mean, he you might could, be you between those. Clark. Suggested by Rob, back. suggested by Rob Nellis that he'd be vulnerable, and yeah. I think we all love what Webster's doing, and he'd be very stiff, yeah, oh, absolutely. But, but he'd yeah. be in, I, that, I, in that frame. I think I mean, he, he actually, yeah, yeah. I think he actually he has a position. Yeah, he's, he's more of a natural defender job. than Clark yeah, is. Absolutely. Clark's more creative. Um, Clark's another Sinclairish type. Uh, Clark's closer Webster's to a wing. Yeah. yeah, Clark yeah. is Clark's closer to a wing rather than a like a back pocket back flank sort of player. Clark Clark is it is our ball movement. Webster is our um restriction. He he he's he doesn't have that attacking side as much as Clark, but Clark has nowhere near the defensive Correct. side that yeah the, so the other thing that, that, I think yeah. the other thing to consider I think is that a lot of times it's going to come down to matchups and, and we've got a luxury in that we've got two two ruckmen uh that are both very good players in their own right. They're very different to each other. Um, and obviously not in the next couple of weeks, assuming that the, the Brisbane Rucks, who are, they're performing pretty well at the moment. Um, 
and, and Sydney's two rucks, Hickey and, and Laddams, you know, I, I don't see us, especially after a week off, going into those games without both of them. But you have to assume that Paddy Ryder is not going to play every week for the rest of the year. He's going to, he'll play three and four and he'll have a week off. Rowan Marshall's got a history of kind of lower leg foot hot spots and that's the stuff. So you, you assume that he'll get a week off here and there. Um, if not an actual injury, I mean, you've, you've just got to plan for these things in, in which case, you know, do you bring in um, Tom Campbell or do you bring in a, a, again, it comes down to the matchup in, in, in the week, but you know, potentially that's an opportunity to bring in another runner, whether it's a, a Clark or a Billings or, or whoever it is. Um, you know, there's some really, it's, it's a really good problem to have. We touched on it at the top of the show. This is a problem, yeah, problem in quotation marks that we haven't had for a very long time. Um, previously, it's like, shit, who are we going to actually bring in this week? We've, we've got to drop this guy, but who are we going to bring in to, to contribute? And, and it's been a tough, a tough call to find someone who can contribute at the level. This week, it's, this season, it's like, how, how are you going to fit these guys in? Because you imagine that Higgins, as soon as he's ready, you know, from from concussion, assuming he's good to go, he's straight back in. Butler's obviously, you know, it, it, it's finally hit some form in, in the twos after after his Achilles and and calf stuff. Um, but like you said, Clark Clark has to come back in. Um, he's one of those players. He's a, he's a dynamic playmaker, and we don't have a lot of them. Yeah, you know, we're playing decent footy, but you can always use guys that have the skill set and the tools of a Hunter Clark. You know, he he gives us something uh, that. I don't think anyone else in our in our team offers uh, in the way that he moves, the way that he runs, the way that he delivers the ball. Um, so there are a number of guys that that you expect to come straight back in, but it is a really good problem to have because guys like Ben Long, Mason Wood, um, Jimmy Webster, who historically, you know, they would be the guys in the bubble that you bring in and out. You bring them in when you need to, when, when you're short on players, but as soon as you get your first ringers back, they're out. Um they're not. They're not doing anything wrong. They don't deserve to, to be dropped, and that, that's a great a great position to be in. I think absolutely, absolutely. We look at some of the awards and nominations for the week and for the year. I guess that's so St Kilda. Uh, Nick, did you have a, a I guess a current one and a broad one, or are they one and the uh, same? Yeah, I, I found it tough this week because I wanted I wanted to to do something positive to kind of reflect where we're at. Mm. Um, so I think where where we're at, I think, is the positive thing. And and you know, we, we've mentioned a few times that the third quarter is becoming that so St Kilda. And again, it was you know the week that was. It was the third quarter broke the game open, and, and that that's where we won the game. Uh, and that's that's a really impressive, promising aspect that we can come out. It doesn't matter what the score is. Yeah, if we're up, if we're down, we come out in the third quarter and we we're, we're fit and firing, we're hungry, uh, and I think we've we've lost one third quarter for the year, one in eleven against Port, yeah, against Port. Um, yeah. that's that's really impressive because historically, you know, previous years, uh, almost doesn't matter who the the coach is since since Ross Lyon or since Ross Lyon left, uh, it didn't matter if it was Waters, Richo, Rats, even um, third quarters is where we lost games. And now it's where we're winning games. And that's, that's really promising. Um, one that's just obviously been in the news in the last 24 hours is the, the NGA uh, situation. It's one that yeah. I don't really want. Like, it's hard to call this a that so St. Kilda thing because we did it pretty well last year, you know, with it, with our, our academy. And we've seen other clubs also suffer with the, the 
the restrictions in the NGA rules from a draft perspective over the last couple of years, we saw Mac Andrew who, who should have gone to Melbourne end up in Gold Coast because Melbourne couldn't, couldn't match that, that early pick. Poor bastards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You take the premiership though, don't you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, so it, it's not, it's, this is not, you know, relegated to a that's so St Kilda only this is this is a, a league-wide issue and and we know why it's there it it sucks that you know once again there's there's a good player coming through and we might not have the opportunity to to take him but you know we're going to have a first round draft pick at some point uh whether he's still there you know is not is not up to us but if he is and if he's good enough then you expect we use that pick on on him the other one being that we obviously Hugo Hawkehan um, obviously putting in the request to the AFL to have him in our academy because we realised he was eligible late. AFL within their rights not to grant that request, but who should draft him instead of us? But uh, <laughs> the Sydney Swans, who have had five hundred thousand academy players, and their academy seems to be the length of Australia. And the, the part of me in the back of my mind says that if Sydney overlooked an academy player and rang the AFL and said, "Oh, we forgot this bloke." I'm not sure that they would have been knocked back. I just, I don't know if they would have, I reckon they would have said, oh yeah, yeah that's all right. I understand well, Sydney, it's just an oversight. And, and uh, the funny thing is that Sydney are part of the reason why they've changed this, the whole academy structure yeah. in the first place from a draft perspective. I mean, getting guys like Heaney and Mills in so cheaply for, for what, you know, who these guys are. These guys are, could have been number one draft picks in their own right in their draft years. And they're getting them for, you know, thirties, 40 picks. Yeah. Um, it's just it's insane, and that's and that's why they that's why the AFL has has done this. But it is yeah that is a, that is is more probably so St Kilda than uh, yeah than, that, uh, that was McKenzie. that was my one to have that no the McKenzie one spot on my one was just that that he ended up at Sydney had he have ended up at any other club I would have been like oh, yeah whatever but um just a little bit of bittersweet irony that he ends up at the club that's dominated the academy when we weren't allowed to put him in ours um, and I guess a broader one for the the year would would probably be. It's it's so St Kilda probably to hold the attitude that we all have week to week for, for, for mine. Like I was still a little bit nervous on the morning of the North game. There were, every part of the logic said to me there was no way we could lose that game. None. And even 10 minutes into the game, there was no way we could lose the game. But you're still a bit anxious. When Zerha had that shot just before halftime, you're like, oh, we, we fluffed a few chances. If he kicks this there within three, and what if they started the third quarter? Well, we might get nervous. If Larky clunks a couple. Yeah, and it, it's, it's ridiculous. But um, but it's just that born nerves and anxiety, I think, that we have. So if you were a neutral watching that game, you would have switched off 20 minutes in going, oh, St Kilda win by nine goals. But for us, we sort of shit ourselves watching it, thinking, oh, it's not over yet. Um, H, did you have any short or long term? I was, I was actually on the same sort of path for something I was thinking. I, I was looking ahead to the draw that has been released and the times and that. And I, first up, I do find it strange that we play Friday, uh, sorry, a Saturday night interstate, that we come back, back and play Friday, Friday night in Melbourne. Then we go Saturday night interstate and come back and play Friday night in Melbourne again. It's a really strange draw that we've been given. So six day breaks on the back of the two interstate matches. So it's a interesting hand we've been dealt. And, and then I looked to the next game and twilight Perth against West coast. And I'm going, what's a bet they've get their shit together and actually start playing good football <laughs> by the time we go over there. Who it, plays it, interstate just, every that, second week apart from, I mean, I know the interstate sides do, but even that in itself is shit. Yeah, you go was, interstate Melbourne, interstate, you think you get a couple of away games in Victoria sort of. Yeah, we got somewhere. Something. 
Yeah, I think there's two in a row, possibly in Melbourne. Then we go to Perth. Mm. So yeah, it's a interesting one that I sort of thought, yeah, why we couldn't have had them, I guess, earlier in the season because you can just see them start getting it together by that time of the year. They're actually starting to get their players fit again. They're starting to show a little bit more interest because they've shown little interest so far this year. Um, they haven't got they haven't got the floating fixture right, the AFL, in the sense that they've had all these weeks to put a floating fixture mm-hmm. together and then they give Essendon a heap of Friday night games and play Fremantle Brisbane Twilight Sunday. Yeah, I'm like, know, it's, what's the point of that? I mean... Yeah, the, the only thing you can say is, is there... <clears throat> Reasons behind the other the times for the teams to get places or their Possibly, next but, game and that, but then we, then as I said, we play two Saturday night games and play Friday night back after traveling. Mm. So it's, no, it's, it's a, yeah, it's absurd. Like interesting we always, way to set it up. It's like oh, you get Friday night games, but you can have them off the back of an interstate game. And yeah, I mean, I yeah. thought the the idea of a floating fixture, Fremantle Brisbane is one of the games of the season, and they bury it in the mm. graveyard shift. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's a bizarre one, but um. Yeah, I think there's plenty of those nominations around. We look at. Do you, do you think just yep. just before? Do you, do you think that a that's so St Kilda is that we can be in the top four, eight and three with a percentage of 124, and we're still talking about that's so St Kilda because yeah. that's our mentality? Is yeah, and and the fact that we needed a surprise loss to even get us into the top four, whereas normally we'd be <laughs> it'd be enough to have you entrenched in that part of the table. But yeah, I think so. But it, it just keeps happening. Um, the um Jason Blake award I think for the week just gone for me um I actually think Ben Patton's had a solid fight back in in the last mm. month or so I think he's been solid um in his output and performance and I thought he was a bit wobbly earlier in the year so he gets mine for the week but um Dougal Howard gets mine for the season so far I think that um Battles had a lot of games that have thrown his names up in lights. That that effort against the Giants, the effort against Fremantle early in the year. We're talking about Cal Wilkie at last, but um, Dougal Howard's been excellent. Um, so he gets my Jason Blake award as the, the quiet achiever on the season, and I've given it to Ben Patton on the week. H, who would who is yours or who are yours? I'm actually Josh Battle for the week. Just gone. Um, mm-hmm. The one that stood out to me was that mark that he took um, yeah. running into um, Larkin, I think it was, yeah. and basically takes the mark, gets up, takes his kick, and Larkin's still on the ground. Larkin lined him up. If you, if you look back at the um, replay of that mark, Larkin knew it was coming, and he got ready for it, and then he ended up on the ground. And you think that that is a, a brilliant mark. Hmm. And he, he just puts himself in that situation of putting his body on the line so often and he comes out the better. And he's just risen so well this year that yeah, uh, he, he goes unnoticed so often, but he does so many good things. And yeah, he's, I, mean, I could almost, I can almost give him for the year as well. Um, Probably not quite, but I, th- I think I've got to get the Cal Wilkie because, uh, as I've heard someone say, his his first season was good, his next season was great, and and this year has has just been brilliant. He's slowly increased and all of a sudden just exploded, and that that the increase in the um the value he's given us, the output he's given us, the just the 
I guess, um, encouragement towards the towards us going. We pick him week in, without week out, without a second thought. There, there is never going to be a chance we go. Oh, do we do do something different with him? No, there is nothing we do different with him. He, he, his position is set in stone, and it's it has been a brilliant season from him so far. And as we say, far far from the plaudits he should be receiving. Nick, your uh, weekend season. Yeah, for the week I've gone Brad Crouch. I think we all know, I mean, we all had the same three in, in terms of the votes and, and two of those were, were kind of the flyers. You know, it was Brad Hill and Jack Sinclair. And, and I think that's been the way that we've gone most of the year is that you know, Sinclair's leading leading the, the MVP award, Brad Hill's second. Uh, and, and we tend to give votes and we tend to recognise those guys that, that you know, impact and, and are dynamic and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and Brad Crouch has been phenomenal for us uh, at the coalface. Uh, very impressive. You know, he just, he, he, I don't think he's lost a one-on-one matchup uh, across the, the course of the season. Um, you know, dominates clearances, uh, center clearances, um, and just has stepped up to another level. I mean, we knew that he was a, a good player, but he's become a very, very good player for us. Um, and, and I think more so in the last couple of weeks since Steele's been out, um, has become very, very important. Uh, and I'm not sure we are the same team without Brad Crouch having having that improvement in him. Uh, over the course of the year, uh, I think we've seen also, you know, Cal Wilkie is starting to get that that uh, recognition. You know, he's now being talked about as, as All-Australian. We, we've been talking about him for a while. Um, but he's, he is getting that recognition around the league. Dougal Howard has been known as a, as a very good player in the league for, for a while. Um, and so he's, you know, he's already getting recognition. Uh, he's been very, very good. Josh Battle is one who I think we all had high hopes for uh, moving back into defense. We've had high hopes for him for a, a long time. No matter what position he plays in, we, we know that the talent is there, the skill is there, um, and the potential is there. And I think that he's really settled into, the, into his role in defense. Um, and you know, because of guys like... Um, Wilkie and Howard that are, that are being recognized. I think Josh Battle sometimes slips under the radar. He's obviously had a couple of those real kind of breakout games. Uh, one of them wasn't even in defense. One, you know, that GWS game where he moved into the ruck in the second half. But defensively, he's been very solid. He's still learning the position, but he reads the ball so well. He understands the game. Um, intellectually, it's kind of it's kind of within him. He, he sees it before it happens. Um, he's able to get to the right spot at the right time and and affect a contest, you know, get a fist in or take a mark or intercept or whatever. Um, and his delivery out of defensive 50 has been very important for us in, in setting up guys like Sinclair and and uh, Hill and, and some of those other guys uh, forward of centre. So um, yeah, I think he probably deserves a bit more recognition and I'm pretty comfortable in, in giving that kind of halfway mark uh, Blake award to, to Josh Battle. Cheers to Rob. Paul, Ben, Chad, Dallas, and Zoe, who have just jumped on the video stream. A couple off the texts. Uh, ben says, spot on about West Coast. I refuse to believe their shit until after we've knocked them off, having not beaten them over there for a decade. They're the worst team I've ever seen, but I'm with you. I'm still nervous um, about how that's going to fare. Um, 
Steve says even at the start of the year when Butler was struggling, it felt like we couldn't drop him because there was nobody to replace him. It feels like we're getting stronger as the season goes on. And Steve also says Mason Wood has been great. Um, yeah, he's right amongst those chances for the nominations as well. And the Shannon Knoll Award, which I've repeatedly nearly called the Dan Butler Award um, by accident. More broadly on the on the season, whilst he's probably still leading that challenge, I'm, I'm putting it on probably a left field one because I think he's been a really important asset since he came in. But I'm still putting it on Cooper Sharman. I think, as I said, I think he's been solid, but I think he's vulnerable only on virtue of numbers. He, he's doing a job for the group, but he's getting seven or eight touches and kicking a goal. And I think with Higgins and Butler and Clark and Steele and all of these players, that there is still a chance that he could get squeezed out of the team on that output. Um, he does a couple of really nice things in every game that he plays. Crucial goal against Adelaide, big mark against the Kangaroos, had a really good third quarter against Geelong. Um, so I like him and I want them to pick him, but he's not locking himself in yet on the body of work. He's um, so, so he's one that I think is very, very important to our chances in, in a final series, but he's got to be there first. So um, he's the one that I'm giving it to, Nick. Uh, yeah, the two, I mean, this is, this is going to sound harsh because he kicked three, but Max King, uh, I think it was a really good opportunity for him to string two massive games together. Um, he kicked three, but he, he could have had probably four to half time and, and really come out in the second half and, and had a big, big game. And it comes down to those moments as, you know, as we know, kind of week after week, it's become harder and harder to kind of find people that need to lift, uh, or, or that are deserving of, of being dropped. And I'm not saying that, that. King needs to, to be dropped, but he needs to get better at those moments, which are taking those opportunities. And, um, you know, he could have, he could have been in line. He, he kicked six against Adelaide the week before, um, should have come into this game full of confidence. He knows that, you know, he can bully that North Melbourne defense. He did it early on with that one hander in the first quarter. Um, that should have been the catalyst for another six goal game or an eight goal game. Uh, and it just wasn't because he wasn't able to, to take advantage of some of those opportunities in the second quarter. And it meant that he went into to halftime having kicked one instead of having kicked four. And, you know, I think, I think that's, that's the one area of his game. I mean, we know that there's, there's other things that you know, over time as he gets bigger and stronger, he'll get better at things organically and naturally, but, you know, kicking for goal and, and taking those opportunities is something that, that should be really simple to correct and should be, should be easy to get your head around. And, and for, for him, for some guys, it just isn't, but there are some clear things that we've talked to and, and touched on over the course of, of this um, show over, the, over the, the weeks, things that he can do to kind of limit the risk in his technique, in his um, process that he's just not doing, um, which is really frustrating because he's got the ability. Yeah, he should be leading the Coleman. Um, yeah, he's, he's second or third, but he should be leading and he should be leading it quite comfortably. Uh, the, the opportunities and the chances that he's had. Uh, and I think that that second quarter uh, on Sunday was was just a, a, another reflection of that. But like you said, Parker, I, I've, I think I've been pretty fair on Dan Butler. I've been a, I've been a, mm. um, I've kind of kept him uh, outside of, of this award because I feel like he, he does get uh, maligned a little bit and, if he's fit now, he's got to show his value. I mean, there are. It's we're now at the point where there is competition for spots, like we, we spoke about a little while ago. Uh, he would have he would have been a walk up start no matter what form he was in 
prior to the start of this season, um, there is now competition for spots. He's got to prove his worth. Um, and we know that he's been handed a slightly different role. We know that he was playing banged up and there was, there was some niggles and all that sort of stuff, but you know, he's, he's fit and healthy now. Uh, he's just had a big game in the twos. He's got another week off, you know, make sure that he's fresh. Uh, doesn't matter whether he's playing for Sandy or the saints, uh, in the next, the next game, he's got to put his best foot forward every single week. And he's got to do those things that get him into the team, which is, you know, the chasing, the tackling, the harassing, the, the defensive efforts. But on the other side, H, something that you've been talking about for, for weeks is finishing off those, finishing off those efforts. And, and when you get a chance, you've got to hit the scoreboard. And if you're, if you're picked as a forward, like Dan Butler is, um, it's great that he does the defensive stuff and, and it's part of his DNA. It's part of what makes him a very good player. But for him to be that very good player, he's got to hit the scoreboard and finish off those, finish off those plays. Spot on. H, yours? Um, I was about to say, and in regards to the King, it was, it was quite funny. I had the same stat line of six kicks and handballs <laughs> as the Adelaide game. So, yeah, it was, it was consistent, but, yeah, it'll be just, just a little bit more output. But I'm I'm on a similar vein to Nick and probably going to be a little bit harsh on someone. But I, I feel that's kind of a bit of positive in the way that we're looking, that we're, we're, we're happy with how we're going. We're, we're traveling well and we're nitpicking little things. And I think that that tells us that we're, the football team is going quite well at the moment. And I'm I'm basically just going to ask Jay Gresham to improve his kicking, improve his disposal. He, he's had 30 disposals. He gets an absolute monster amount of disposals, but he went at 60%. That means eight, he, 18 of his 30 disposals hit the target. There's 12 disposals that he's missed. It's... It's a big number when you get big numbers. So if he can improve, he's kicking, hitting targets. If he can, yeah, just, just take that extra step. Take that look before you dispose of it. I feel like he picks a ball up and just kicks it sometimes without, even, without knowing who or where he's going or it just doesn't take that half a second to look the players are in that side of the 50 when he kicks it's the other side of the 50 and it's only one of their defenders standing there. You you mentioned it before, Just, H, why, yeah. why it feels like we're not a good center clearance team because we end up turning it over from that clearance. And I think Jay Gresham is the biggest, the biggest offender in yeah. that regard. You know, he's great at winning the ball, but he, mm. he takes possession and he just blazes away and, and yeah, half the time it ends yeah. up in the hands yeah. of a Stephen May oh, or it, Jake Lee or James Sicily yeah. or whoever so, it is. Yeah, so it's fantastic we're getting the ball in that position because that, that, that the clearance from the center of the ground is the most crucial possession in, at any point of a game, really, because you're getting the ball out of the neutral position forward. But if you're giving it straight to them, it, 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 there's almost no point doing it. There's, so we just got to know where our play, where where our players are. You have to have that little look. Okay, we're in the right hand pocket. Kick it to the right-hand pocket. We're in. We're deep. Kick it deeper. Like, oh, there's no one in the hole in the, in the, at the top of the 50. Drop it there for one of our forwards to run onto. Get, the space is there. Don't don't just bomb it on top of the for the, the defender who's sitting there back waiting for it. So it, it, it's it can be a minor, It can be just a minor improvement. Like he changes that to. 24 disposal to hit the target 
that's a massive improvement. It, that that's straight up to eighty percent. Yeah, yeah, a lot of this that'll segment, change. Yeah. That'll change our game. Yeah, a lot of this segment has been about those little things as well. Often uh, from each week, and cheers to. Uh, Simon, Kathy, Ava, Tyrone and Vanessa who have just jumped on. If you have missed any sections of this, we'll upload it as we would normally do over the coming days. That'll do our live show for tonight. Obviously a buy for the reserves as well, which is unfortunate with Sandy. It would have been good to get Hunter Clark and, and Jack Higgins potentially a run given the, the time they've missed with uh, COVID slash concussion and the like in, in recent times. But it's a week off for everybody and we'll reconvene uh, next week leading up to the Brisbane game which starts a really huge run of difficult fixtures but thanks to everyone for tuning in and to all of the different names that have contributed if we missed mentioning you uh, we apologize but um thanks for your patronage and plenty of special guests to come go saints